You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul, and I am back from the vacay here to mm-hmm. spread the good word. Absolutely. Welcome back, <laughs> Paulie. Yeah, I'm happy to be back, frankly. And I'm Rob, and this is episode 945. Yeah, off to uh, the Bahamas you were in, in that neck of the woods. Cozumel. Did not have a good experience at Cozumel. Um, hmm. Cozumel, Jamaica, Grand Cayman. Grand Cayman was really cool. I actually, just a quick story that'll make everyone laugh here. Uh, we thought it'd be really cool to go look at shipwreck, wreckage, and there was a store where you could buy old... Like, I felt like I was in the movie Gold Rush, where he's essentially, like, looking for treasures and coins and all that. Anyway, there's a store It's just coins and ancient maps and, like, all this stuff. And at first, I was really uncomfortable because some of the contracts that they showed us that were, like, three, four hundred years old were all indentured servants' contracts, which, if you are familiar with that term, it's not, it's not good. Um, but... What I did see was all of these gold and silver coins. And Sarah was like, that's real gold, that's real silver. And she was talking about the different companies that essentially made these coins, like the Hmm. East Indian Dutch Company, which was like essentially its own colony, its own company that was so big, it was like its own government. And they would mint their own coins. Hmm. So anyway, I was like, man, these are so cool. And she's like, this one's 945, this one's 1250. This one's nine seventy-five, and I thought she was talking like dollars, like, like ten dollars and seventy-five cents, four dollars ninety-five cents. So I was like, wait, wait, don't put those away. She was like putting them away. So I was like, well, I don't know. I'm like, no, you said you like that one. I'm like, we're gonna get that one. We're gonna get that one. And we're gonna get that one. And then she's like, Sarah looks at me like I'm crazy, like absolutely like bat crap crazy. And I'm like, why is everyone looking at me like like, like this? And she's like, that'll be four thousand, blah blah. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought that was twelve dollars. And she's like, no, that it's twelve hundred. Oh, was, that's hilarious. I that's was funny. So embarrassed. I was just like, oh my. I was like, well, I'm gonna go back to the uh, liquor store and grab some more rum because I'm not thinking too straight. Uh, Sarah oh, just that's a little me. bit of humble pie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good so, for all of us. It really was. That's, it was really interesting, funny. all the different stuff they had in that store. Maps from like the 1600s, huh. which since we've been getting into mapping, I'm like, how did they create these? It's like, impressive. Yeah. It's really impressive. The coins, by the way, did they would they weigh them for you? So that uh, They know? did have a scale there, but I mean, some of these coins were really heavy. And like this wow. gold was very like yellowish gold, like not like the gold you see today in stores mm. because it's always plated or there's like some sort of other mineral that's in there to make the gold go further, essentially. It's like filler, right? Yeah. That gold like that- rice. Yes. Yes. Uh, that gold that we saw was, it was the real deal. She wanted like $1,500 for something the size of a dime. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, there's something to be said for stashing a little gold. In, under your mattress. That's true. Hopefully your house doesn't burn down. It won't. Your gold will still be there, right? That's true. You got to find it, though. You want to know an interesting a little factoid? If you get 100,000 used iPhones, their iPhone 4 or above, you can make 120 grand. 120, 100,000 iPhones, 120 grand. Because there's gold in every single iPhone. 
Hmm. It's the best conductor. It's part of your antenna. Interesting. It's so. a lot of iPhones, though. Yeah. Anyways, welcome back. Thank Gl- you. Glad to have you back. Let's get into uh, today's question, um, which I forget which question we're going into, but I'm just excited to be back here. Uh, also, just want to say really quick, this question is brought to you by our next NTSB training. Uh, it is not an actual NTSB training, but we're doing an accident reconstruction mapping training hosted at the NTSB Training Academy. It will be going down May 13th through May 17th. We're probably going to be doing a couple of the same exercises, but I think we're going to change up one to make one a little bit more difficult. I don't want to. I don't want to put it in the cards just yet. But also, I do want to say too, if you haven't checked out the events section on our website, we are having the next mapping training in Las Vegas, Nevada. I want to say it's February twenty first through twenty third. Is that correct? Nineteenth through the twenty first. Gotcha. Okay. It's over the weekend, and we get to be in a really cool location that is truly going to test your skills. In addition to that, we're adding in another little section of the class. I mean, with mapping, we could just add, 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 and go on and go on and go on. But we are going to be doing a LiDAR demonstration, thanks to our good friend Russell. Uh, We're excited. Um, So if you want to get the photogrammetry aspect down pat, you want to learn the systems necessary to do that workflow, successfully and consistently, like the Toyota model, I call it, then you got to come and join us at this class. It's going to transform you from someone who's not really, you know, sure about mapping, or maybe you've had some experience with mapping to deep down nitty gritty. You understand how all these different variables affect the qualities of your map and the quality of your orthos and also the quality of your 3D models that you're showing to clients. There's so much inside of these different softwares that we take you through a systematic approach that helps you understand these are all the things you need to know and this is how you actually do the workflow, right? Because if you can do this practically and you're able to sell it, then you're able to make money for it. And this training is no longer a cost, but rather an investment. So we're gonna be talking about how you can sell your maps as well because we do talk about that. And we even talk about some of the legalities involved in accuracy. On top of that, we're gonna be showcasing the LiDAR workflow because it is significantly faster and we have some very complex buildings and gold mines that we are going to be mapping in Las Vegas. So make sure to join us. There's only a few seats left and this is a huge training for me. You wanna know why? Because six years ago, I did a drone training. It was one of the very first drone trainings that I ever did for the National Association of Broadcasters. And this was way before everyone else tried to get their fingers in the mix. And it was one of the best times I've ever had in drone training. Well, now we're going back to the same location. So this training has a special place in my heart. So hopefully you'll join us as we may do a little celebrating after the class to to just mark uh, a fun day in history for DroneU. Very cool. So That's very exciting. Check it out, thedroneu.com, and then scroll down, events, and click learn more. Good afternoon, gentlemen. My name is Steve, and my question is in regard to the type of drone that I need to purchase. Uh, I really am a novice when it comes to drones. actually just started to research today and stumbled across your website. Uh, the reason I'm looking to purchase is I'm a college soccer coach. And we'd like to use the drone for training. Uh, Matches would be great as well, but mainly for training. And the angle and footage that a drone could provide as a training tool and to see, you know, where players are positioned and those kinds of things, that angle, you know, is priceless for us. So with that in mind, you know, I want something that's going to get, I don't know, maybe 50 feet in the air 
and something that's really going to kind of just hover there by itself. We don't really want to coach uh, manning it too much. So just kind of getting it up there and then bringing it down when we're done. Obviously, the footage needs to be clear enough to use. And then the time, we need something that could stay up there for, you know, a, a longer amount of time. So I've seen drones that, you know, can hover for maybe 10 minutes and then come back down. So 20 minutes would probably be the minimum. Uh, any suggestions that you guys could provide uh, would be fantastic. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. I think that's a really cool use of uh, the technology. I'd love to see that um, played out, manifest, see how you guys used it, because that could really work. I've heard of some college football teams doing this mm -hmm. already, and someone actually reached out to me uh, because they had gotten a little slap on the wrist from the FAA about where they could and couldn't fly. I think this is a great idea, and I want to kind of take this in different shifts because I think that there are some considerations that – if you are trying to film any sports program, soccer, football, basketball, there are different rules that you have to be aware of. And, and first of all, you know, oh, man, this is a really tough question. Is this a furtherance of a business? College football, the answer is a clear yes. But high school football, anything high school or middle school, uh, that could be questionable. I mean, in Texas, I know that high school football is a really big deal. And I think that if you are using footage to advance the team and then you are selling advertising in your stadium, it's definitely a furtherance of a business, which means, college coach, you would need a Part 107 certificate in order to fly that drone. Honestly, hmm. frankly, whether you're in a sports program or not, a 60-question test is the main barrier between you and getting that license. And frankly, it's 60 questions that you should know the answers to as a drone pilot because there's a lot of potential safety issues of flying a drone, especially in the vicinity of kids, of rambunctious kids, and lots of interference technology in the area. When I mean interference technology, things like steel, rebar, all your kids' cell phones, um, high school Wi-Fi. Um, there's a lot of points of interference at high school areas. College areas are even worse. Johnson Gym is like one yep. of the hardest areas to fly a drone. The reason I say that is you need to be aware of things like ferromagnetic interference. You need to be aware of other things as well. You need to be aware of these things so that you can fly and film your team because there's going to be a lot of coaches who are not going to fly correctly and will get shut down uh, by the FAA or an angry drone business owner or an angry parent who's like, how do you have the authority to do this? Mm -hmm. Because some high schools fall in controlled airspace, so you would need a Part 107 license to fly it no matter what. Now, if you're not in controlled airspace, there are a couple rules that you need to be cognizant of in order to fly. Number one, you cannot fly over people. So he's probably going to, I mean, like, look, you guys, you go to a lot of soccer games. Mm -hmm. You know how big maybe a couple of these games, uh, how big the fans are or this stadium the, the or stadium. whatever. Yeah. yeah, stands, yeah. He mentioned that he'd have to fly at 50 feet to really see the whole field. I would totally disagree with that. He's probably going to fly at a minimum of 90 to 100 feet mm -hmm. in order to get the whole field in his frame. And another thing, too, is... Uh, hope your games are not at night because if they are at night, you are going to need a nighttime waiver. You are going to have to follow a completely different set of rules. You're going to have to have a strobe that can be seen for three statute miles in every direction. Um, and yeah, maybe a Mavic 2 Enterprise would actually be a really good use for that. But that being said, how how much distance from the field uh, does the fan section typically extend? 
Well, number one, I think when he's t- so we're talking about two different things. If we're talking about practice and we're talking about games, he was most interested in practice, right? Yeah. So practice so, first, then games. Then potentially games later. So in terms of the kind of soccer that we're talking about, college, I'm, there's people generally, whether it's a club team that's younger or a, a college soccer team. I mean, they're right there. They're right on the field. And generally not all the way around, though, although if it's a major college, they could be all the way around the field. True. So that's going to be tough. It is going to be tough, which means you're going to have to have some sort of buffer zone between the aircraft and the people itself. Because let's let's just take the instance of practice, because during a game, you're going to be much more limited in where you can fly because you cannot fly over people. You cannot fly over the tips of their toes to the extension of their fingers. In addition, you cannot fly in a way that is reckless or careless or essentially if the drone could cause damage or harm to someone in an emergency situation. Meaning if your flight path puts the drone's um, velocity uh, and acceleration, excuse me, how do I say this? Velocity is direction and acceleration, correct? Oh, gosh, I feel so stupid that I just <laughs> I said that. I don't remember. <laughs> Vacation, yo. Velocity. Uh, velocity of an object is the rate of change of its position with respect to the frame of reference. All right. So that being said, we need to know how fast is the drone going, how high is it, and what's its terminal velocity, meaning what is the maximum speed it could reach. Because you need to, you need to figure this out. Why do you need to figure this out? Well, let's say that you decide to fly practices and you don't want to fly over people. So let's say you're 50 yards off of the midfield line. So you're at the midfield at the edge of the field and then 50 yards back from that. You fly a P4 Pro with an extended life battery because that'll give you about 30 minutes of flight time depending on where you live. If you're at higher elevations, you're only going to get like 24, 25 minutes, and that's if it's just a straight hover. If you're moving around, if you're kind of doing acrobatic things or, or moving at all, uh, your flight time is not going to be that that long. So that being said, to answer his question, P4 Pro, probably going to be the best drone for you. Um, OcuSync will provide a great downlink. It's a cheap bird right now. 20 megapixel camera, better low light. I mentioned this over an Inspire because an Inspire is going to take two batteries for each flight instead of one. So it's going to be astronomically cheaper to fly the, the P4 Pro to record these games. In addition, you just have a lot of other features that would really help out. So that being said, if we're flying 50 yards off the field, and let's imagine a cone, right? A cone of airspace, 50-foot radius around that drone. And let's say we're at 100 feet. So we have this imaginary cone of airspace next to the field, 50 yards out from the midline. Mm -hmm. I would not want anyone between 50 and 100 feet of that drone at any given time. Here's why. Coming down this way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like it, kind of like a cone. A Christmas tree, right? Yeah. Um, now, that being said, why is this important? Well, let's say you're flying practice and uh, one of the kids goofs off and touches the remote or one of the kids tries to mess with the drone or someone throws a water bottle at it or something. And so it, even if you're just hovering, this is true. Yeah. And you, the drone hits someone, mm-hmm. right? When the investigator comes, he's going to say, well, what precautions did you take to not fly over people? What precautions did you take to ensure that your flight path was not going to cause some sort of emergency problem? And if you were to say, well, I calculated the terminal velocity of the drone from 100 feet, and if it lost power, how far horizontally could it travel at 100 feet with its terminal velocity? I figured out that was X number of feet. 
uh, let's just say 85 feet, and this is a pure guess, that is not the answer, don't use that as the example. Let's say it's 85 feet, and I came to the conclusion that as long as I had an 85-foot buffer in every direction around the drone, then I felt safe flying it. Because if you you were to hurt someone, now, you know, the college, in his case, is now liable. Mm -hmm. So you have to take extra precautions, right? So he's got to essentially come up with standard operating procedures for how he's going to fly these games. And it's going to involve, number one, getting your Part 107 certificate. Number two, not flying at night unless you have a night waiver. We have a class for that. And then number three, not flying over people. Number four, creating a space where people can't walk in. So maybe like taping off an area with uh, drone zone tape or warning tape. Long story short, uh, once you did that, you had the calculations, your standard operating procedures, you did your pre-flight checks, you're changing your props every 10 hours so that they're not busting up. You have a way to maintain maintenance. You're understanding the importance of cycling your batteries. Um, Let's see. Then he's talking about filming and high-capacity cameras. So, again, P4 Pro, I think it's also going to limit injuries because it's a lighter bird. Mm -hmm. The other thing, too, is soon we're going to be seeing a new NPRM on flight over people. This is going to be really powerful on, you know, the ability for you to essentially fly over your college team all day long if you have the right drone under the right weight class with prop cages and ways to mitigate, um, you know, a catastrophic loss like a parachute or something like that, depending on the class of drone. Those laws are coming down the line. I would expect two to three years for those to come out. So now you still do have to deal with these issues at hand. I would also say with the reauthorization that just came out, it also extremely inhibits anyone as a hobbyist to fly these types of jobs. I would say college coaches don't just hire a player's parent. You want to make sure someone is licensed. You want to make sure someone is insured. I'm sure also that the college is going to insist they have more than $1 million of insurance. Probably be like a $5, $10 million policy Hmm. on a P4 Pro. You're probably looking at two grand a year. It's not really that much money. Uh, But you need to have trained pilots. I mean, this is a great example of this college coach. I want to invite you to a flight mastery course. Uh, Where did he say he was from? Did he say? He didn't say. Mm -mm. So if you're in Texas, I would like to introduce Josh Baker because Josh Baker is running uh, a DroneU flight mastery course out of Houston. Um, It's right outside of Houston on the south side, kind of towards Hobby. And I would recommend that you check out his class. If not, you can take it in Utah. You can take it in Wisconsin. Might be a little cold there right now. Northern Virginia. There's a lot of places that you can take it. Uh, You can come down here to Albuquerque, take a flight mastery course. The reason I'm saying this is because typically people do not think of flying close to things. And the flight mastery course teaches that spatial awareness of flying really close to things and being comfortable with it and gaining that confidence. Right. Because I feel like one of the biggest problems, Rob, and I even I experienced this just last week as I'm flying the brand new Autel Evo drone, trying to test it out. I really have never flown it before. And I'm flying it in an area where I just want to stay like literally as far away from people as possible. Sure. And my nerves came back almost like I was pilot back on year one. And it was just like, wow, if you don't know the systems of a particular aircraft, it makes you feel like I'm learning everything all over again. Yeah, just because there's some unpredictability there. Exactly. I mean, there's always an element of unpredictability, but it's on scale, right? Exactly. And there was more in that situation. Exactly. And I think you can limit so much of potential problems because of nerves by just having that confidence of flying in close places. And that's why I would recommend the Flight Mastery course to you. I know, you know, 
and pretty much selling you our course. But I really do believe when it comes down to flying near a stadium or near a practice field, you're going to be around tall light poles. You're going to be around fences. You're going to be around players. You need to understand how to maintain essentially a tube of airspace that you fly within, right? Imagine that you had a giant toilet paper tube, right? But it was maybe 200 feet in diameter and 100 feet high. And that's like your tube of airspace that you need to fly in, right? He said he doesn't want to move much. He just wants right. to hover mm-hmm. and film the game. Keep I think it it's simple. Great. Yep. Is there any, any uh, point to tethering in this situation? Other than a gross expense? No, because, I mean, look, with a P4P, he's going to be changing batteries every 30 minutes. Practice is going to be three hours long, depending on what he wants to film. He's probably only going to want to film, you know, an hour or hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and have that that game footage. So no real need for that. No, no real need to Overkill. That, for that. You know, this is just a perfect example of how an Osmo, like the old school Osmo on a monopod, would be a perfect alternative to not flying like Hmm. if you had a built-up stadium where you could put a camera up top the osmo right it's got that wi-fi capabilities you can Hmm. control it from the ground you can see what's going on that would be cool that would but most people don't have a place to mount it or put it or anything and they're going drones so i would say to quickly recap if you're a coach you want to film your practices right you can't fly over people you're going to need a 107 you can't fly at night unless you have a night waiver You need to make sure that you have a very good buffer zone so you don't hit people or crash into them in case something happens. Things do happen. I would honestly try to get someone in your program to manage this because it's not something that you can just say, we're going to go buy a camera from Best Buy and now we're going to film our games. It's not that simple. You have to have a program in order to limit liability because you could come under extreme social pressure if something were to go wrong. It would go viral, it could end your career, and it wouldn't look good. And if you just followed some very simple steps that are really not that hard to follow, you're going to have a great drone program, you're going to get better data, you're going to score more points, you you look, it's data solves problems, okay? And I'm providing data for you to go out and acquire that data. Well, one of the things that he mentioned is he doesn't necessarily want a coach or anybody to be flying it. Somebody's going to have to be flying it yes. at all times. I mean, you can't just let it hover and set the controller down. No, that's illegal. So, Thanks so for mentioning that. Make sure that's very clear. Clear, yeah. And it's definitely in furtherance of a business when money's involved. Hmm. Yeah, this, this I mean, I, I could see erring on that side, but this seems like a gray area for sure. I would say if it comes down to whether your stadium sells physical tickets or not. If they sell physical tickets, it's definitely a furtherance of a business Hmm. because you are bettering your team to sell more tickets. It's very direct line of of thought. Okay, If you're not selling tickets, you may be bettering your team, but there's no financial benefit. Hmm. And that would be true if your cousin came in and filmed it for you. Then he's going to have to be a 107 pilot if you're selling tickets is what you're saying. The FAA just went after, we have to do another FOIA. Uh, They just went after a couple companies for hiring illegal drone pilots Mm. for knowingly and willingly. It's like, whoa, change of stance here, FAA. You're getting sexy and I'm liking it. So, (laughs) Uh, Interesting. Well, I hope that answers his question. Um, I think it actually went uh, well beyond answering his question in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. But. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Cool. So, man, this is a great question. I'm excited because I've been hearing a lot of people who want to do this. And there's actually, you know, New Mexico is getting its first pro soccer team. Mm-hmm. And this is something maybe when we see Ron at the bar again, we always go to the same meeting bar. Um, Big soccer bar. 
It is a big soccer bar. We didn't know that at first, but... <laughs> Until we were having a meeting, and then... <laughs> show up at a major Premier League match. Yeah. Holy shamoly. Bad idea to have a conference call. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, on that bombshell, that is going to do it for us today. Also, quick update. We will be doing another new show this week. We haven't been doing them because I have been out of the country but I am back now, and I am back in action, so we are going to get back to it. So thanks for joining us again. If you haven't subscribed or become a member of DroneU to check out our 33 classes and counting, then you've got to check it out. And if you want to come to an in-person experience training, well, then you got to check it out too. DroneU.education. Scroll down, events, learn more. You'll see all the upcoming mapping trainings. And don't forget, guys, you can book a flight mastery training, right? That's 107 Operations. It's flying really, really well. It's a system of 12 exercises to get you to have massive confidence and know how to handle problems in the field. Um, some people have called it the most systematic and comprehensive drone training that they've ever experienced. Thank you, uh, Department of Aviation, Delaware State Police. Really appreciate that comment. <laughs> um, guys, check it out. Go to the website. That's going to be it for us today. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. This is Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.